Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. It's so great to have you guys back here today for another day of It's All About the Questions, where we learn to shift our perspectives and ask the right questions so that we can have the most amazing lives ever. And today I have another one of those guests that's going to help you shift your perspective, learn new questions to ask, and you never know where that might take you in this world today. My guest today is Dr. Nancy Fax. Fax. I cannot speak today. <laughs> Dr. Nancy. It's, you know, it's the braces. I swear they have completely changed the way I speak. Dr. Nancy Fox, author, speaker, and life strategist friend who I've known for very, very many years now. Um, she's also known as a decisive woman, and she works with businesses, organizations, and individuals that want to empower their people and selves to face challenges as opportunities and provide extraordinary service to others. And asking the right questions is such a big part of um, seeing challenges and opportunities. She is also the person who put together an amazing book that I am honored to be a part of called Decisive Women, Designing Decisions in Five Minutes or Less. So welcome to the show, Nancy. Oh, I am so happy to be here. Thank you, Laura, for having me on today. I'm excited to have you here because you actually flew in from Maryland to be in the studio. I did. And it was uh, a really great fr- flight and uh, a nice drive down this way as well. <laughs> yeah, perfect. I'm so excited. And we did a book signing in Orlando. Yes, we did. Um, on Friday night for this book with Bobby Gavanis and, and Denver Bolu Hines. Did I say that right? Haynes. Haynes. I always want to say Hines for some reason. And Deb Lewis, who flew in from Hawaii. Yeah, she gets the trophy for getting here the, from the farthest distance. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, she definitely did, and she just texted me a little while ago that she still had six hours left in her flight to go home. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> she she left, must be in L.A. <laughs> she's in San Francisco. She left Orlando at 9 a.m. this morning, So, and she's just in San Francisco ready to leave for another six hours. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But, Nancy, you know, I know you from author conferences and personal development conferences and, and a number of other places, and we connected at, on many, many levels, but I knew you as the Lyme person, you know, because having dealt with Lyme and Babesia myself, watching you create all this amazing curriculum around Lyme and how to prevent it, how to treat it, all of those different things. And here you are creating a book called Decisive Women. And I know there's got to be a story behind this more than even what I know. Can you share why you wrote something called Decisive Women? Well, I knew I wanted to write a self-help book at some point. And my mother uh, struggled through nine and a half. Well, I shouldn't say struggled because I may have saw it as struggling at times, but she was tenacious and she had nine and a half years of lung cancer survival. And after her death, I just wanted to know more. Why did she continue to live and face the challenges that she did? And what is it that motivates people? So when I started to think about her specifically, then it started to branch out to other people who face challenges and what do they do and what is the is is there a process or a theme through everybody's situation that they end up on the other side of uh, surviving as long as they can or creating a new life that's incredible. Now, she wrote a chapter in this book, correct? 
She wrote part of the chapter. Um, I took her words and what she had told me and what she had written down and retold the story. I love that. So the the book in many ways is, you know, um, an homage to your mom and her strength and the very strong woman that she created in you. Yes, I recognize that as friends of mine such as you <laughs> have recognized in me. Uh, I recognize it in myself and the strength of my family members see that my mom taught me how to be strong in tough situations. And I really were – I was going to write the book just about her and it was going to be just her story. And then a literary agent um, uh, when I was at Author 101 – said to me, why don't you open it up to other women? And our friend Bruce Barber. Our friend Bruce Barber, exactly. And uh, three minutes with him changed the whole dynamic of the book, which was incredible. I mean, today it's farther and more comprehensive than I ever dreamed. So what was it in that conversation with Bruce? Because we have a lot of people who are thinking about becoming authors, a lot of people who have these ideas, but it never seems to come to fruition. And this was about a two-year process for you Yes, from that conversation with Bruce and the idea to here it is in print. You can't see it. It's radio, but I'm <laughs> promising you it's here in print. And we're doing the launch in the next week or so. Um, but tell us about that process and, and how you were able to decide that, okay, this is what it's going to be. Well, I contemplated uh, Bruce's idea and I was kind of attached to my mom's story but I knew that I had sat with someone who knows the industry, knows what people need and want. And so I took his words to heart. And then I happened to just send an email out to those that I have met in authors' conferences and other conferences. And 10 days later, I had 10 women saying, yeah, I'll write a story. And I was – I get cold chills Every time that happens, by the time I looked at my email at the end of those 10 days and and gathered up the idea that 10 women at that point wanted to be a part of this, I knew that it was a path in which my mother, universe, God, whomever you believe in, it was a path that was chosen and that's what the direction I should go. So what was going through your mind and the questions that you're asking yourself when all of a sudden you had 10 women that were interested and now it's real, right? Because you put it out there and now it's real. So what were you asking yourself at that point? Probably the first few questions I had was how am I going to get this done? How do I coordinate it? You know, what is needed for it? I, I had never put a book together with other authors. I'd written my own books with the Lyme disease for children, and I had learned some things along the way with that, but to coordinate other people. So I decided that there must be deadlines. Um, what I learned along the way, ask for the same font. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we're laughing, but that's yes, huge. It is huge because when you go to put it all together, you have to go back in and waste a lot of time uh, figuring out, what font it should be so you can submit it to the editor and what do they want and 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 then some send it in PDFs and some send it in Word or whatever. And all of that makes a difference in how you compile and how much time you spend editing and um, putting the pieces together. 
So you sat there and you said, all right, this is real now. Now I have to understand the process and what's needed and what will make my life easier in order to shorten the time span. And then what? The other thing was what I really want to say in this book and the biggest piece um, that was the biggest piece because I was not totally clear because this was a new direction I was taking. What is it that the ladies needed to write? Um, at first, we were talking about five-minute decisions, which was a different theme. I mean, it's there. It's throughout. But at the same time, it wasn't clear. So I had to get clear on what is it that the women need to talk about and having that many women, and that was a challenge for me. I would imagine it's a huge challenge because people interpret things differently. Yes. (laughs) So you may think you're clear, uh, well, this makes sense to me, and it may make sense to five women, or men, it doesn't matter, and then somebody else is like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Exactly. So how many different ways did you have to come up with to explain what it is the book chapter needed to be about? Well, I... I decided at one point that I needed an outline of what I wanted, and I was still unclear what I wanted as it evolved. I figured that out, and with several conversations with you, well, you asked those questions (laughs) to clarify, and you would say, I'm not clear about what is is it that you want, or where do we go from here, and so... um, We did a lot of brainstorming. We did. (laughs) (laughs) We really did. And so I was like, what do you mean it's not clear? Well, I knew what I wanted eventually, but it evolved over time and became more clear. But at the same time, communicating that is key uh, with everybody in the group. And there were times that people wrote, even though I said 1,200 words or 2,000 words, people wrote 5,000 words. (laughs) And I'm like, what did I miss not saying to this person? And so... All of those little items along the way were learning experiences. Yeah, because everybody understands differently and they translate based on their perspective. Mm-hmm. And then they think, oh, well, you know, she'll edit it down. Or, you know, I wrote them so she'll use the words anyway. Yes. That's probably a big part of it. I know when you and I were talking in the brainstorming early stages, it was you had so many ideas for it yes. of what you wanted it to be. So a lot of our conversations were just gelling down. Exactly. The, the focus, and you did an amazing job. Oh, thank you, Laura. All right, and we're going to come back with more from Dr. Nancy Fox, a true decisive woman, with her new book, Designing Decisions in Five Minutes or Less. We'll be right back with more from Dr. Nancy Fox, talking about the questions to ask when you're putting a crazy book like this together. So, Nancy, how do you define a decisive woman? <laughs> That's pretty funny because I think my definition may not fit everyone. Um, however, a decisive woman would be the 28 women who, when I walked up to them or I emailed them, said, yeah, I'll write a chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some did say they would and didn't, or I told them to think about it, and those probably uh, did not write a chapter. Uh, There was one lady who wrote a chapter that I had to edit out, and I told her about it, and she she was like, okay. Um, so being decisive, number one, is making a decision within a time frame, whatever that time frame may be. Um, I talk about five-minute decision-making because most of us make decisions in less than that, especially women. 
with all of the things they have responsibility for and um, all of the things that they do during a day and they don't even think about, they're deciding. And there's that other thing to decide not to decide. (laughs) (laughs) And that's okay, too. (laughs) That you're just going to kind of wait and let things sort of shake themselves out before you make the decision? Is that what you mean by that? Yes, and um, I call it meandering in the book. Many times women will meander um, through a decision because they're considering so many things being nurturers at at their core, many of them. Uh, They won't make a decision until they know that how it's going to affect people in their life, um, their families, their friends, whatever it may be. Many times I think decisive women – consider themselves a bit more than a woman who is not so decisive in a time frame. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, one of the things this book talks about is looking at yourself and looking at your decisions and what is it, what is happening along that way and do you feel great about those decisions or do you not like those decisions? And I've talked to many women in fact, just in the last few days, and when I talk about the title, Decisive Women, I I either hear, yes, I am, or no way. (laughs) Do you think that the women that say they're not really are, but they are harder on themselves? Absolutely. Um, Many of them, because of their nature of nurturing and and doing lots of things, um, don't look at themselves as being decisive because so many times... Many women feel overwhelmed, and when that overwhelmed feeling comes in and that's part of deciding, uh, they feel like they meander too much and there must be a time frame, and that's the masculine energy talking to them. Now, I know most of, if not all, the women that are in this book, and none of it surprised me of anything that anybody wrote, but... I do know that a number of them say to themselves, well, I really don't make great decisions all the time. So being a decisive woman is not about making great decisions all the time, or is it? No, it's not about making great decisions all the time. In fact, we make decisions every day, thousands of times a day, and not all of them are great ones. They're The ones that aren't great are the ones we learn probably the most from, the ones that smooth out our day and go about whatever task we're trying to complete or whatever magic moments we're trying to create in other people's lives, those, because they feel good, many women don't even think about them as being decisions or, yes, they are decisions, and I made a great one. You know, um, Tony Robbins once said, um, when you make, when you go, when you make a decision or something happens in your life and you say, wow, that was me. That's when you feel great about it. But when (laughs) you look at it and your response is, I can't believe I did that. Those are are the women who are saying, looking at their decisions and saying, I'm indecisive or I I don't make good decisions. But isn't it what you say after you say, I can't believe I did that, that makes you the decisive woman or man is how do you pick yourself up and how long does it take you to pick yourself up after that? Yeah, that's the key. And – If you're one who focuses on, okay, what was the challenge? What was the solution I found the first time? And what did I learn from it? 
and how do I change or redirect what happened um, when I didn't like the result, that makes the person continually a decisive person. I was always told, Lori, you make such great choices. You make amazing decisions. You're, you're such a success and all this other stuff. When I had my tech company and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you wouldn't believe how often I change my mind, you know. And they're like, well, it doesn't seem like it because on the surface mm-hmm. they see the good stuff that happens, right? But what they don't know is when you make a bad choice, how you're saying, well, that's not working out. So I need to change now instead of letting it continue and go and go and go. Yes, that's We beat ourselves up when we don't make the hard choice when we know we need to. Yes, that that is true. And success is from turning that around, whatever that decision was that did, led you down a path you didn't want to go or um, had negative results. The decisive woman or person, man, may uh, – will take that next direction analyze it, change it, and move forward. When you were editing the book and you were getting all these different stories in, I mean, there's 28 women in here, including my dear friend, Sandra Sandra Champlain, Mm -hmm. who I just adore, who wrote an amazing book, We Don't Die, has a great podcast show, and cooks for American Le Mans Racing on her spare time, and owns a chocolate shop in Kent, Connecticut. I think she let that go, though. I, I think she had too many things on her plate. (laughs) <laughs> but why, why give up chocolate? Anyway, I'm sure. <laughs> I know she was talking about about transitioning out of that one. But was there a common theme that you picked up, or, or was there some big learning that stuck out in your mind as you were reading the stories? Many of the stories are people who have challenges with health. Some of them with business. Some of them, like um, Sandra. Uh, that's said, you know, here's a place where I am in life. I've let everybody else make decisions around me, and I just went along for the ride. And for her, she decided that her father's health was now going, she was going to take that on and be passionate about it and do what was right in her heart and soul about her dad and his health. And I, one of the themes that's throughout this book is when someone is passionate about whatever it is they're making a decision about or a change or a direction of a path or journey, that's when great learning happens, great personal passion, great results happen because the attention is on that particular and the focus is right there on that particular challenge. So everything that follows from there is so hyper alert on that one decision that you've made, all the different pieces, everything else sort of falls away or no? Not necessarily. Um, But when you get passionate, you start to push away the things that aren't um, at the high priority level. And you make this one particular thing or very many facets or intricacies of it more on the observation and the priority list. Okay, well, that that makes a lot of sense. Now, in the book, you talk about, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the everyday influential women. That's something you mentioned at the end of the book. Yes. Why that? One of the things I thought is that there are many authors in this book, already published authors, some not, but they were seeking, where I met them, they were seeking something more to learn, to do. 
many of the women, if not all, came from conferences that I visited or, or I attended. And they – I lost my place. That's okay. What was the question? <laughs> the everyday influential women. Oh, everyday influential women. So I was working two jobs at one point, and I started to notice women around me because I was hyper-focused on decisive women and things. And so I noticed that even if you do not have a title, doctor, whatever the title may be, author, whatever it may be, you may not have a title, a, a formal title. You have amazing women women in the world who are and all around you that are making amazing things happen, influencing people in very positive ways. So you wanted to have something in there where you could share their stories? Absolutely. A little bit about them? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's very cool. You know, one of the people that um, coordinated our book signing, Bobby Gavanis, who was there, she runs a reinvention cruise. Yes. And I love how she talks about, you know, the whole process of putting that together. It was very similar to putting together your book, Absolutely. which was trying to get everybody, wrangle everybody together and make sure everything is focused on it. And you really, if you haven't accepted this accolade for yourself yet, this was a massive undertaking. I haven't accepted that yet. Okay. It was a massive <laughs> undertaking. It is not an easy thing to wrangle 28 anythings together into one space to make it all work together. So feel really good about that. And we'll be right back after the news break with more from Dr. Nancy Fox. So just before the news break went, actually, just as it was happening, Shane, my producer, my wonderful hysterical producer who makes funny faces at me in the window all the time, puts up a piece of paper and he says, definition of decisive woman, a woman who can pick the restaurant she wants to eat at. (laughs) I've heard that from men many, many, many times. Yeah. And it's actually so true because we're like, we want to be accommodating. So no, what do you want? What do you want? And then, you know, especially when you're, if you're not married and you're dating, you don't want to spend somebody else's money. So you don't know what their budget is. So you don't want to pick X restaurant. And so why don't we ask effective questions so we know where the boundaries are? That's a really good point. Why don't we? Why don't people when you're dating, right? You're trying to be nice and and we end up not being sometimes who we really are. Exactly. Um, And that's one of the things in my story that changes things for me is I didn't know who I was because I was spending too many events, situations, trying to please. And many women out there are doing that because they're managing the family or doing lots of things and they're trying to please everyone around them and forget about self. And that is the point of my story. Um, Open my eyes, find my strength. So tell me about that. Tell me that moment when you realized that you had to find your own strength. Well... (laughs) It's, I have tissues if you need it. <laughs> no, I'm past that, I hope. Um, but we'll find out, right? Uh, when I, I was having trouble in my marriage, number one, I was very sick with Lyme disease and hence the reason why I'm a Lyme advocate. And But it was misunderstood with myself and my husband. I just kept falling asleep. He'd take me out to dinner. I'd fall asleep. So I wasn't the great communicator. I wasn't interacting. I was exhausted all the time. So what happened was is that we ended up not feeling 
good about each other and 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 we ended up separating for a couple weeks and and that's a short time i know um feels like an eternity though it does when uh all of you what you have believed all of your life which was taught to me by my mother um and my father cuz they had a marriage of 60 years and they got through really tough times and in the book you'll hear about all those times that my mom had to endure and and my dad as well and and yet they seemed to continue to love each other and they did right to the end um so for my health and my husband and everything was unraveling and what happened was is that oh my gosh i found myself I won't talk about him and, and his things that, that made me crazy, but what drove me crazy and what made me aware was I was lying to myself. I was lying to myself about having this great life and that everything was all right no matter how bad I felt or my health or or that I couldn't find anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the chaos that I was living in because I was sick. But for me, I kept trying to control it. And by trying to control it and just kind of sugarcoating everything, I woke up one day and my husband was not there with me. And I I just touch on this. um, And when you're vulnerable like that, um, someone else is there to pick up the pieces. And uh, my husband was struggling with trying to keep this person at bay. And when we finally took that time to separate, we figured out how much we loved each other and figured out for us, and I want to say that for us, it took us three years to really gain the trust, for me especially, to gain the trust and and all those pieces to to pull a marriage back together. But at the same time, we learned so much about each other and so much about the disease that I had that was causing me. It wasn't that I was just not interested or not paying attention. It was I had Lyme disease, and Lyme disease took all the energy from me. It took my organization from me. It took my life. It literally takes people's lives, their financial life, their personal life, their spiritual life, their physical life. It literally takes their life. And some people end their lives because of Lyme disease. For me, I'm one of those women who learn from their mother no matter what challenge you just get back up and you push through. I couldn't get off the couch for several weeks. I I could move, but there are many people out there and children, which is my love, um, many children that are in wheelchairs and so forth. And that's, that's where my passion came from, to start working, to start writing and to create things about Lyme disease. And then and then when my mom passed, I wanted to look inside and see what made me because she and her tenacity made me the person I am. You know, I, I first met you, <clears throat> excuse me, with all the Lyme stuff. And the thing for me that I'm realizing now with all the stuff that I'm going through health-wise is all of that pushing through I did when I had Epstein-Barr and Lyme and a couple of other things all at this and anemia all at the same time actually put me physically into where I'm at today because I didn't stop. 
mm-hmm. I just kept pushing. You know, I owned my business. I had clients that needed me. I had parents that needed me. I had, I was on boards. I had all, and I just, I can't stop. I have to do, I have to do, I have to do. There's all these commitments. And what I'm realizing now is, yeah, you can push through, but you also have to stop. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we don't recognize in ourselves most often. There's that thing when my body said, you're not getting off the couch for eight weeks. It meant it. I could not get to the bathroom. So if I had to go and then I slept for multiple hours a day, 10, 15 hours a day. Some people sleep 20 hours a day. And if you don't stop, it will stop you in your tracks. Um, some people lose the battle. Um, and and that's true, Laura, that yes, there's this part of you that has to be passionate and looking forward. And that's the other part, which I still don't know very well. <laughs> And that's that taking that rest in that time. But after I finished Decisive Women and and had it published in between that time, where between the time it was finished and going to the publisher, it was about a month, six weeks. And I decided at this point in my life, I need to know that I can take the rest. And I gave myself that time. So if any Lyme gave me anything, it gave me that awareness that you must rest. And I still push the envelope, but <laughs> I'm more aware of it. <laughs> well, I, I, do you push more in spurts or do you find that you do a more um, even energy expenditure now? <laughs> There's nothing even about There's me. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally understand that. I totally, totally understand that. We had I had Miriam McGurk on my show uh, a few weeks back and she literally moved to Turkey for part of the year because she had such bad um, illness mm-hmm. with chronic fatigue syndrome and some other things that she literally collapsed mm-hmm. and had to be taken by ambulance and had to stop her high profile career and all this other stuff. She was newly married. He stuck by her. He is just such Chris Pollard. He's just such an amazing man. And she discovered in Turkey that she could begin to heal because the energy of the place is very different. Yes. So if you haven't caught that show, everybody look for the Miriam McGurk podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or, or on it's all about the Cause there's a lot of great stuff around that. I'm still learning it. I still struggle. Um, I know right now I need to stop way more than I am and I'm not physically doing that much, but I want to. So my body and my brain are acting like I have to, but I can't. So there's that, do you get that internal conflict going on inside of you? Absolutely. All the time. And One of the things you talked about was, you know, changing your environment. Because when we stay in our environment and we know it's becoming more toxic, um, that changes. If you can remove yourself from that, that's what this week is about. Is about for me in Florida. It's about the book signing. It's about, but I gave myself some extra time to go to the beach and to relax and to give myself some rest but yet you were having conversations in st pete in the ocean in the gulf in the gulf absolutely um it was so funny um the the young lady that was in the uh in the gulf with me uh introduced herself and her father came out and she said this is her father and we were talking they wanted to know where i was from and what i was doing here did i visit here a lot and so forth and I told them that we had a book signing um, 
on Friday, and which surpassed that day's Family Christian Bookstore's records for a book at, in that category. Uh, so I was... That was our first number one. It was our first number one. More to come. For this, for this book, that was our first number one. So, uh, yeah, so I started talking. I said the book was called Decisive Women, and the father said, I'll be right back. I got to tell my wife about this. And I said, I'll come to the beach. He says, no, stay right there. And she came out, and this wonderful woman had just left her family and made some major changes in her life. And she has this wonderful husband also that uh, is really supporting her and doing things differently. Um, So she is now in that area. And uh, she, we had a conversation about decisive women and we had a conversation about uh, the words that she uses that keeps her from feeling safe keeps her from feeling decisive, keeps her from feeling great about herself. And that was a great day in the golf. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a perfect lead-in, talking about the words people use that are stopping you from things with the conversation I want to have after we come back from the next commercial break, the last one coming up. You you introduced this this idea called BARS, Beliefs, Actions, Results. And I want to talk more about that. When we come back from the commercial break, we'll be back with more from Dr. Nancy Fox. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. Nancy, you were just sharing the story about the woman you met while you were bathing in the, the Gulf on the <laughs> west coast of Florida. And you talked about she had thoughts and and things that she was saying to herself that kind of kept her stuck in the different things. And and you have something in this book that I think is really cool. You call it BARS, B-A-R-S. Can you explain to my listeners what that is and how it can change things for them? BARS is an acronym for Beliefs, Action, Results, and Service. And everything that you do comes from your beliefs. And I'm not talking about specifically religious beliefs, but they may play a part in what you do um, and what you think. Um, There are rules that go along with your beliefs, such as I believe that all people are created equal and, and everyone should have feel valued around me. Did I always have that belief? I was... Because of the 60s and 70s and all those conflicts that were happening then, I was a little confused about my beliefs about those things. And so as I evolved in my beliefs, that's where I ended up because everyone I meet, my head will sometimes go back to some rules about certain people and and you know we have to be safe and so forth and who do you talk to but my husband all the time says why do you talk with all those strangers <laughs> because his belief is don't talk to strangers so that simple line don't talk to strangers which many kids are taught as a safety net permeates through our adult life and there you Because of that belief, you may not get to know people that will influence your life, such as you and I. If we we had that belief that we don't talk to strangers, we'd always be strangers. Right. And um, I'm using that one just as an example. 
Um, and then when you have a belief like that, you don't take action. You won't walk up to a person like everyday influential women, which we didn't really explain what they, who they are, not what they are, but who they are. They are women that I walked up to and said, what is it about your life that you enjoy? What, do you, what are your beliefs? What do you believe in? And, and I would get different reactions and um, – so you would take action based on your beliefs. You do. It happens. Whether they're pre-programmed, that's the key. You got to start thinking about, do I have pre-programmed beliefs? Um, and then the action I take because of those beliefs. And then you get certain results because of what you believe, what rules you have in your head. And sometimes you serve others not in the way you may want to because – all of that goes back to beliefs. And um, action, of course, you live your life a certain way. But if you change your beliefs, as I have over time, I didn't believe. I love writing, but I never believed that I could be um, a writer because I thought I wouldn't be good enough. People wouldn't read what I wrote. Um, and so I didn't take the action for, gosh, 25 years because when my son was young, I took a course in writing and I wrote when I was nine years old and loved it and the course had rules. So it made me feel like I didn't know how and therefore I should never do it because I wouldn't meet the criteria. My first book, uh, No Ticks Please, did not meet the industry's criteria. So I thought then instead of that, in that particular incident, I said, okay, it doesn't meet the criteria. What can I do to make it uh, meet the industry standards and what can I do to create it so that it's what people want? That's a whole different way of looking at things. So you see your beliefs lead into what you take action and what results you get. Now, no ticks, please, is also no ticks, please, no garapatas, por favor. So it's an English-Spanish version which made it meet the industry standards. So it wasn't stuck there. So you – recognized that you needed to make some changes to align it so that it could get out there, but you didn't give up your belief that the message needed to get out. I didn't give up that belief. There are some beliefs that need to be tweaked, some beliefs that need to be discarded, some some that just need – you need to learn from them and say, what is it about this belief that serves me? What is it about it that limits me? And when you figure that out – you're, you tend to start changing the path of your life. Okay, so those were some really great questions. Let's say those one more time about the beliefs, some of the questions. So what are these beliefs? You started to go through that. <clears throat> what do what, they serve you? What is the belief? Does it serve you? If it serves you, great. Are there any parts of it that don't serve you or limit you in what you are planning to do? Like you said earlier about Lots of people want to write a story or want they, they want to share their message, but a belief may keep them, as I've just talked about my belief, from ever sharing that message. They may, they may write it down. Um, I talk to people all the time. They, want, they, they keep coming at me at this point and saying, how do I do this? How do I write this book? I, I can't believe you wrote this book. And a lot – Many times it's just like – and they say, oh, I've had chapters written, and we've heard that in other um, conferences. I've had chapters written for years. If you change your belief that this needs to be heard and the passion – and for me, Decisive Women was changed by my passion to find out what made my mother tick and what 
her beliefs were. So when you find and redefine and analyze, or, or some people don't like to analyze, but you really find your passion um, and you open up your mind to what you believe and how that can be changed a little bit and ask those questions, what's limiting me? What's, what are the strengths in this belief? What, how can they guide me? I love that. I love that. And one of the things that I always uh, talk about when I'm speaking is, you know, taking what you were just talking about to, is this belief mine or somebody else's belief? Absolutely. Because we, we often have so many other people's beliefs that became our own from mm-hmm. childhood or from external sources that really doesn't serve us anymore. Absolutely. Um, the, the not serving us anymore is when you start to make a change for what I call unveiling the the truth okay. in your soul. Now, this book, Decisive Women, Designing Decisions in Five Minutes or Less, that you put together with myself and Sandra Champlain, Sandra Champlain and Bobby Gavanis and Deb Lewis, and oh my God, there's so many people in here, I can't list them all, there's 28. Is it available for purchase? It's on, I know it's on going to be on Amazon and... It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. Um, any of the avenues where you want to find a book, it's there. Um, just look for it in your favorite place. And if you can't find it, you can call me and I'll send you a copy. Okay. So, how do people find you? <laughs> um, you can go to drnancyfox.com. Uh, you, it will. I will get an email and just tell me who you are and what's your address and you want a book and I'll. I'll we'll, I'll send you, uh, we'll do the payment stuff, and it'll be off in the mail to you in a matter of a couple days. Okay, so drnancyfox.com, is it D-R, Nancy Fox? It is D-R, Nancy, N-A-N-C-Y-F-O-X.com. Great, and you can find out about all your other stuff that you're doing. So if anybody who's listening is dealing with any kind of Lyme or tick-borne illness, you really want to go to Nancy's website. She's got so many great resources there as well that she can help you with. And I have to tell you, she's one of those people that really just wants to serve and help. Thanks, Laura. It is true. So some last thoughts you'd like to leave the listeners with? Well, um, what I want to leave you with is listen to your words and thoughts. Open your eyes to the possibilities in your life and the opportunities in your life. Find your strength to make a change if you so desire. Oh, I like that. Say that one more time. Find your strength to make a change if you so desire. That's what Decisive Women is all about, right? It is. It's finding that inside strength. It is. Because sometimes those decisions are not the easy ones to make. They aren't. And you made an interesting decision about this book. All the profits are going to charity. Yes. Um, a portion of the Profits are going to charity, okay. a, a good portion of it. Um, I have one author, Virginia Rector, who is donating all the profits from the books she sells uh, to her church, uh, her church's building fund. And so she has sold at this point in excess of 75 books and has raised a gob of money for her. <laughs> and she's so excited about that. And then uh, some of the profits that I that I incur will will go to Lyme disease research um, in education, educational pieces. And then any any of the authors can give to charities um, that they're passionate about. And then 
I even want to open it up to anyone else who may feel that they're a particular charity that they desire. They could email me and let me know, and I would send the money, at least some money, to uh, that particular charity. It has to be a legitimate charity, everybody. (laughs) Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So I will will definitely qualify and uh, make sure that is true. And again, their contact information to get to you? DrNancyFox.com. DrNancyFox.com. That's great. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. It's been great. And I'm really looking forward to the book launch in uh, another week or so. But yes. in the meantime, it's on Amazon. It's in ebook format as well as paperback. And it's such a beautiful cover that was done by who? Kathy Dunn, Dunn Kathy. & Associates. Yes, they did such a wonderful, wonderful job. Always love the work that Kathy and Hobie do. So um, everybody... This show is all about learning new questions to ask and learning the perspectives of others to help you do that. Hopefully today you got some new perspectives from Dr. Nancy Fox about how your beliefs and your actions and how to be a a decisive woman or man. And we'll be back next week with another great guest and me, of course, because what would this show be without me, right? It wouldn't be a show. (laughs) It would not be a show. If you need help finding questions, reach out to me, Laura at laurasteward.com. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.